But let's think about that. Let's think how this is such an awesome thing, what we're celebrating here. Now, uh, I want to read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 15, right quick. And so I don't have that up there because I want you to get your Bible out, right? And, and get that app open there. And um, you can you got some space in there to make some notes today. But um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15... Uh, Paul had been talking about cheerfully and generously giving to help others. Um, and that's what a lot of people think about this time of year, you know, just being not just generous, but being cheerful about it, right? I mean, I, I've been out there, and, and, and we need more, like, uh, they talk about Christmas cheer. Um, there's some people need a little bit of that, right? And um, the, way, the way that you can help spread that is, is by, by doing some good things. You ever go in some place and somebody's just a little bit, you know, maybe they haven't, you don't know their whole story. They may be a little, um, what do we call it, crabby, okay? And uh, I don't know how that started. But anyway, that, and, and so sometimes I'll make it my goal that um, I'm going to get this person to smile I, somehow. I, I, I'm going, I'm going that, that's my goal. I want to do something to, to, to lift, right, and make them smile. And, and, and it's great when you can do that. You can bring a little cheer. Um, sometimes the harder you try, they, they, they actually get madder. But anyway, uh, we try, okay? But, but Paul is talking about this thing about how uh, there were people who were hurting and, and, and they're helping each other out. And as he goes through that, um, he talks about, you know, the motive is not just to do good deeds, Motive isn't just to, to try to be helpful. It's, it's because of how blessed we feel because we understand the grace of God and the blessings of God that we have received and we just want to let some of that blessing of God overflow onto others. We're blessed to be a blessing. That's what he's talking about here. It overflows and, uh, and, and he just breaks out into praise in verse 15. I mean, he's talking about that and then he says in verse 15, thanks be to God. For his inexpressible gift. So we're talking about the gifts that God is giving and about giving gifts to each other. And then he just says, thanks be to God for his gift that I can't even explain. I can't even describe it. Some translations say indescribable gift. Uh, inexpress. I just can't even express. I can't even, there's no words, there's no anything to express how awesome this gift is. So there's a little bit of mystery around this time of year. And what we celebrate is Christmas, right? We talked about some of that last week. Um, did you know that like for the, about the first 300 years after Christ had been here and died on the cross and was resurrected, ascended back into heaven, for about the first 300 years or so, uh, Christians celebrated, we have record that they celebrated his resurrection, his death on the cross, but not that they celebrated uh, his birth. I mean, and part of that was probably because Jesus actually instructed us to celebrate and to remember, actually to remember his death, right? To do this in remembrance of me. When we have communion, uh, we are remembering the price that he paid, all right? And uh, so he told us to do that, and we, we remember the resurrection, in, and we remember all of that in baptism. But um, so there was no instruction really to to remember or celebrate his birth. So there's no real record of that happening uh, early on. Uh, but it's okay to celebrate it. Because later on, uh, you know, there, there were some places it was really against the law to celebrate Christmas. Did you know that? Um, after uh, Oliver Cromwell, Crom, what's his name? Crom, Cromwell. Oliver Crom. I didn't know that was going to be a hard thing to say. Man, 
Oliver Cromwell. Got it. Mm. You know, after, after, uh, after he and his Puritan followers gained temporary control in England, they actually forbid, uh, you know, like in the 17th century, forbid people to have, like, Christmas, you know, take away. And it wasn't like the Grinch. It wasn't like, I must stop Christmas. It wasn't that. It was that they just didn't think it was the right thing to do, you know. Um, and, and you might be surprised to know that in uh, colonial New England that it wasn't made a legal holiday until 1856. Um, and and uh, what month it, it actually occurred, we, we, really, we really don't know, except it probably wasn't December. Um, and so there's been debate on that. Uh, East, Eastern Orthodox Church, they still celebrate January 6th, see? Um, but, uh, and we also know that Jesus wasn't born like on year zero, you know, um, that as we've looked back through the dates, we, we, we're pretty sure that he was probably born about six or seven, what we would call B.C. And we know that because of the fact that Herod the Great ruled, and the Bible documents that, and then we know from history that he passed away about 4 B.C., so there's a little bit of mystery all involved here, but uh, we talked last week about how that some of our ancestors in different parts of the world uh, had different pagan rituals that they did during this time of year as you go through the winter solstice, and as these people became Christians, because there were things that they did, they still wanted to celebrate, and it's kind of like they tried to Christianize some of them, or, or you know, Christianity took over kind of this time of year in the holiday, uh, things like that. Okay, so there's a lot of mystery involved in this, huh? And some of these things. But um, I think it's okay to absolutely celebrate it. You know why? You know why I know that? Celebrate his birth, his arrival. Because the angels celebrated it. I mean, uh, we're not going to read that passage today, but you read it. The angels, I mean, it's like in, in all of heaven there was a, a huge celebration and a party going on. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Man, they, this was something. And so we're great. It's a great thing to, to celebrate this. Uh, but for all of the twisted chronology and um, background of what we call Christmas celebration, uh, there's a bigger mystery than just that. You know what the mystery about Christmas is? Um, The mystery about Christmas is this, that God himself has entered the human race because of his love for us to save us. And also that Jesus was a fully human Savior, but at the same time, fully God. Those two things. That's the great mystery. Now, I say a mystery. Paul talks about mysteries several times in in his writings. And someday I want to do a series and just go through and look at those mysteries. And it's pretty amazing. Now, mystery is something that's been veiled, uh, that that has been revealed now. These things have been, they were veiled, but now it's been revealed. Even though we can't get, you know, our minds around it all, right? Like, this is a truth. You can know what the mystery is, but you can't get to the bottom of how awesome it is. And I think... Think we'll be in heaven forever and ever and ever and still in awe and saying like Paul said, it's inexpressible, it's undescribable, it's just more than we can even can even portray how awesome this is. I think it will be that way uh, forever. It's just always going to be so much and so powerful uh, of what we have. Um, but this is the great mystery. This is the great thing that in the beginning was the Word. As we looked at over the last several weeks, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and that 
at the fullness of time, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so this is the, this is the deep core, that mystifying core. This is the thing that sometimes we take for granted. This is what is, yeah, Jesus is the reason, but it's this. It's that, that God would love unlovable humanity like us and enough to give the greatest gift ever. And so as we give to each other, we're really just doing that out of celebration and overflow of have, having received his gift. Now, there, I know there are a lot of people out there celebrating the holidays and saying all this, kind of like everybody wants to get in a festive move. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But people who really don't know Christ or worship him and know him as Lord, it's kind of empty, you know? They're trying. They're trying, but it, it's just like everything else without Christ. It, it just has an emptiness and a hollowness to it. I mean, I went by a public place in another town, and uh, they, they, I guess they didn't feel like they could have a nativity scene celebrating his birth. And, and they had like a little, little uh, wooden like, little stable up, and they just had reindeer in it. And uh, that's it. I mean, I guess they didn't even feel like they could have Santa Claus or anything like that. They just had, had some reindeer and, and a thing and lights. And, and I thought, hmm, that's going to be the trend now. You'll see. You'll see that. But how empty that is. I mean, what are you really celebrating? And what, what, what is there anything lasting from that? It's hollow and it's empty. And that's why so many people are going to try their very best to get their minds off their miserable lives and try to, try to have a little fun, try to celebrate. But a lot of things they try to do for fun is going to make life even more miserable later on. And how empty that is if you don't have this and you don't understand. Now, this is, as I said, a mystery. But remember what I always say about mysteries. It's kind of like you can know what it is. You just can't get your mind around it. It's kind of like that big fat brother-in-law is, is you love him, but you just can't quite get your arms around him, right? You know, uh, it's just that's the way, that's the way this, this kind of mystery is. It's an awesome thing, and it challenges our hearts as we think about it. So I want to take a moment and just think about this before we move on and go on to different gatherings and things like that, that Jesus was truly human, sharing the nature of human beings, yet he was also truly God. This is what we talked about last week, so that this is the biggest mystery, and that uh, he was the Messiah. And this is exactly what we read last week, and, and you can go back and listen to that if you want. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, uh, the angel visits Joseph, and the angel tells Joseph, she, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, that's our English word. His name is Yeshua. He is, and that means what? Savior. That's what that name means. He, you shall call him Jesus. And he explains it. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And he quotes from Isaiah. 700 years before God prophesied about this through a thing going on with Isaiah. And it's this. Behold, the virgin, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here's what we want you to see. That Jesus is both. He is both Savior, Jesus, and he's also Emmanuel, the Savior, who came to save us, is God himself, God with us us. And you have both truths right here in this powerful, powerful text. So this is the mystery of Christmas. As the promised Messiah, he is both. This prince, this anointed one who was to come, he arrives. And, as, and, and he is the deliverer. He, that's what Savior means. And he is God with us. So here's the thing. We think about this being a gift, and, and I ask, like, what, what makes a, truly great, a, a gift truly great? I mean, what is it? I mean, let's think about gifts that we give each other. Um, I mean, because uh, you're going to get some not-so-great gifts, I'm just going to tell you, this year. 
But as I thought about that, I thought, well, price or cost, cost. When you think in terms of how much it costs the giver in effort, okay, and expense, and maybe even pain. And so when we think about Christ's gift, when you think about the cost, you think, of, listen to me, just think about the fact that he left the glories of heaven with the Father to come down and inhabit a human body. Think about that. Think about that cost. When you think about the fact that not only did he go to the cross, but he took all my sin and all of your sin and all of the sin of the world, and he paid the eternal price for that on the cross, on our behalf. That's what Jesus did. And then usefulness. Uh, a lot of times I, I give people gifts and there's this really, you know what, we, we buy stuff for people who, 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 who have everything, and we spend money we really don't have, and we buy stuff that... that um, Nobody can use, right? And then you re-gift it, and it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. But, but I like to have a gift that's useful. I mean, something that, uh, that I can enjoy a, a for a long time, and, and it'd be useful uh, in every, like, like, how about this? How about God gives us a gift that not only is a cost that we can't even imagine, we contemplate it when we take communion, we even contemplate it in baptism, and, and, and then not only that, that useful, um, it's like useful not just every day, but how about every moment of every day, the gift that he's given us. And then there's longevity. I put that up there because uh, how many of you even can tell me exactly what all you got for Christmas from other people last year? We've already forgotten. I mean, we get stuff, right? And then, and then we put the stuff where we put stuff. And then we forget even what kind of stuff we, we don't even know where, where it is. Um, and somebody will, will maybe ask you, say like, hey, did you, have you enjoyed that whatever I got you last year? And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And then, you know, now we're, 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 we're trying to be dishonest here. And, and then, um, you know, or, or you, then you got to try to find it, you know. It would be like, it would be like years ago, guys, when uh, if, if uh, back, you know, bless her heart, we miss her so much. But when Meemaw would come to visit, we would try to, where did we put those gifts that she got us last year? You know, they were things that Meemaw liked. Um, but, you know, when I was a kid, you know, does anybody else have a Meemaw like that? I mean, we just loved her so much, and she was so awesome, and she loved us so much. But she would always give us clothes and things that, uh, that, that, that no kid would wear. Um, but anyway, so, but you would wear it, you would wear it that day, right, when, when you go see, see her. But um, the best gifts are those that impact us for a long time. So when we talk about God's gift here and the cost and the usefulness, and then we talk about not only now and not only all my life, when you're young, when you're, when you're, when you're uh, going through trouble, when you're experiencing blessing, when you get old, when you're in trouble, when you're not, okay, uh, when you die. And then not only is it good for your whole life, we're now going to go to a whole nother level of this gift, and it just keeps giving when we talk about eternity, can't beat it, can you? It's the best gift ever. But I want to tell you another reason why this is the biggest and the best gift. Because I think, what somebody asked me, what do you need the most? What do you need the most? Well, I want to tell you something real quick. My biggest need corresponds with my biggest problem if I really look at my life, okay? So here's what it is. My biggest problem, the biggest problem I have is sin. You might have a whole lot of other problems, and a lot of other things, you're not knowing how you're going to do this, how you're going to fix that. Listen, the biggest problem that any of us have, the Bible teaches us, is sin. 
That is, we've all sinned. Why is that a problem? It's a big problem because sin is what separates you and I from a relationship with God because God is perfect and God is holy. The Bible teaches us that our basic human nature is sinful and selfish. And, and, and so this goes beyond instinct, right? It goes beyond that built-in desire that we have of just taking care of ourselves. It comes from that nature. It comes from our DNA that was inherited from that curse that we got because of our father, Adam, who brought it into the human race. We have that built-in desire to just be in control, to control ourselves, to control others, and to be God over our own life. We're talking about selfishness. I mean, when you really boil it down, that one of the biggest sins that we deal with, and one of the reasons why we may do all other kinds of things, is basically because we are selfish. It's all about me. I want to be God. I want to be in control. I want other people to do what I want them to do. Selfishness. And this is the way we are. And it's inherited because of sin. Sinful nature. It's natural for a kid to be selfish. It's not just instinct. There's something else going on in there. You know, think about it. If a toddler was full grown, they they would destroy the world. You know? Um, When I was a kid, I got to tell you something. I was a kid. Because I always think about... uh, you know, those incredible times. And um, for some reason, at our house, if you got up early to go check under the tree, see if Santa Claus had come, Santa Claus never ever came to our house until, until, until after uh, mom and dad got back from the dairy barn that morning milking. I mean, you, you know, we wake up early and check, no, no, Santa Claus. Not until after the morning milking. I finally figured that out when I got older, but. Um, but anyway, when I was a kid, I have to tell you, my favorite thing about Christmas, my favorite thing about Christmas wasn't so much the family gatherings, it wasn't the carols, it wasn't the church Christmas player or anything like that, it wasn't, it wasn't even the food, it was the presents. Yeah, yeah, you guys know. <laughs> Down here giggling, <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. You know, like, I was kind of like uh, Hinton or Ralphie. Um, from the Christmas story. <laughs> I'm picking on you. <laughs> but you remember Ralphie obsessed over that Red Rider BB gun, right? I was totally in it for myself, man. And, and, and I was desperately hoping that all of my hints and all of my suggestions, all my letters to Santa, Santa, all my feeble efforts at trying to be good would pay off big. I didn't really want my brothers to get anything better than me either. That was not cool when that happened. I remember, I remember why some of those Christmases, I mean, they were the best, you know. I can remember me and Russ running in there, and, and, and I, had, I had Johnny West action figure. Anybody have Johnny West? And no, no, it, no, it was not a doll. I did not play with dolls. It was an action figure. Come on. An action figure. Johnny West and his horse and his gear. Russ got Geronimo. Yeah, and we, would, uh, we had all kinds of fun. Also had the big G.I. Joe action figure. I, I didn't have dolls. Now, Russ, another story for another time. He did. He did. Okay, check that out later. Nevertheless, <laughs> I, I had the, the G.I. Joe doll. Did anybody have, a, a, you know, G.I. Joe used to be like a foot tall, right? And these little bee dolls now. G.I. Joe's like a foot tall. And, and, and did anybody have a G.I. Joe, I mean doll, I say, I mean action figure. Nobody? 
None of you, okay, yeah, yeah. Any of you guys that are like my age and so forth? Okay, come on, fessing up now. And you know, what was, as I got, Gordon, you did, yeah. You know, but did you know it had a string you could pull? And I don't know how long I had it before I found out if you pulled the string different lengths, he would say different things. I mean, that was like Christmas all over again. I didn't know you could only pull it like so far and let go, and he'd be like, engine three's on fire, bail out, bail out. And, you know, we could have a whole thing with that. And, 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 then, and then we had the little plastic army men, you know, the little guys. Kids can't even play with that now. You wouldn't know how to play with these little plastic. Anybody have the plastic army men? Huh? Okay, good. We got some. Yeah, you hear me now. Okay, but here's the thing. You've got the big G.I. Joe, but you've got the little army men. And if you will stash, if you stash some firecrackers from 4th of July until then and later on, man, you can have some, you can really have some fun with these little things, right? So it was, it was, it was awesome, awesome. But it, so there was those kind of times. But as I grew, began to grow up and I began to understand more about the real reason for the season, it wasn't all about me. Christmas wasn't all about me. It was, it was about Christ. And I began to understand it was not just about, it's not about gifts. It was the gift. Right? And so the thing is, is God created the world to be perfect. When God created the world, he created it to be perfect. And um, he created people to be perfect. The earth was perfect. The atmosphere was perfect. The universe, everything was perfect. That's how God created it, the Bible tells us. Part of that perfection was our being created in the image of God. That's why we believe all humanity, human life is sacred life, because humans are created differently than the animals were created in the image of God. Okay? All human beings. Now, um, God created us differently from the animals in that he created us in his own image. God didn't want us to be like the animals that do what God wants them to do just because they have instinct. Because he wanted a love relationship. Love demands there be ability to make decisions. Love is a choice. You can't be programmed to love. So God created human beings with a will, an ability to make their own decisions and do what they want. And as a result, Adam and Eve, both with that, decided they'd rather be God. They rebelled against God. They sinned. And when they sinned, they brought the curse of sin into the universe and into the earth and into the human flesh, human lives. Okay? That's what happened. So originally it was created perfect, but sin destroyed everything. God already had a plan whereby he himself would come and pay the price for our sin uh, to buy us back out of sin so we could have a perfect forever with him and a new heavens and a new earth someday and be redeemed and live a transformed life even in this sin-cursed body and in this sin-cursed world. So that's what God is up to here. And, and so he wants to rescue us from this sin that separates us from a perfect God. And, and, and sin dooms us to the, the effects of sin, all kinds of selfishness and pride and greed and lust and arguments and problems. And, and sin also dooms us to something else, physical death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Paul said, as in Adam, we all die. Uh, the, and Paul says in Romans 8, the body is dead because of what? Sin. And so we have that to deal with. And we live in a sin-cursed world. And then I got to put up with other sin-cursed people. And even when you're saved, the new you still lives in this old flesh that still has a curse of sin on it. And so, you know what? Uh, as if that's not bad enough, wait, there's more. Uh, sin also means eternal death and separation from God eternally by being separated from God in a place that, that we call hell. 
So here's the thing. The fact of me being a sinner, are you with me still? It's my biggest problem. And it's your biggest problem too. It's my biggest reality. It's not just what I've done. It's who I am. My biggest problem. So to be saved from my sin and to be saved from the effects of my sin is my biggest need. And the same is true for you as it is for me. Uh, Not just of me, because Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. All of us have sinned. And unless you're as perfect as Jesus, then you fall short. You miss the mark. You're lost. You're a sinner. And you might have a lot of problems and a lot of needs, but I promise you this right here is your biggest need you have, any of us have, and that is salvation from our sin. Deliverance from sin and the effects of it. And so here's what's so neat about what Christmas stands for is that that's my biggest problem. But guess what? Jesus' primary mission when he came into the world was to save sinners. Boom. In fact, he says in Luke 19.10, Jesus said this, the Son of Man, talking about himself, came to seek and to save the lost. He came to hunt us down, to save us. The whole reason, we not only have a God who is the creator, who is real, who is out there. He's not only that God who is real and the creator and is out there, but he's a God who came down here. He came down to us and lived among us and paid the price for our redemption. He came to save sinners. And this is so awesome because I just happen to be one. In fact, it's my biggest problem is that I'm a sinner. And the greatest gift is that God gave his son, Jesus, to come to save sinners. It all matches up, doesn't it? This is the mystery of the gospel, folks, that the Messiah Prince who would come into the world as the deliverer would have the primary mission of saving us from that which separates us from God. Saving us from all of our outside enemies will come later. It turns out the biggest enemy that I have is not the world or even the devil. It's the sin and sinful nature that I have within me. It is selfishness separates from God, wages of sin is death, that this Messiah would come to primarily save us from our sins. It's a, it's a deep mystery. It was veiled in the Old Testament because they thought he was going to come and deliver them from their outside enemies. But the first enemy that had to be defeated is that one from within, and that's sin. The Old Testament law was never meant to deliver us, but it rather exposed the fact that we're sinners. And thus, It included a provision for atonement or covering temporarily for sin. The other part of the mystery is that not only would this deliverer be a real person and really come to us in the flesh and really deliver us from sin, but that he would also be God himself. The Messiah, the deliverer, the one coming is none other than God himself. He's Jesus and he's also Emmanuel, God with us. So this is what makes What Christmas is about, the best gift ever. The greatest gift ever given. It intersects me right at the point of my greatest need. And that's salvation. I can't think of a more perfect gift. Can you? I'll tell you one more thing about me. Even though I've received this gift, I still struggle every day. I'm still a sinner. And, um, but now I'm a sinner who is saved by grace. Now I've got the very presence of Christ living in me, his presence through the Holy Spirit. And now this body 
may age and, and, and one day I'll lay it aside because flesh and blood is, is cursed and uh, it will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But I'm going to have a new body someday. Now, I don't have to be controlled by my sin nature. Now, I don't have to be controlled by the flesh. I can be controlled by the power of God in me. I can walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. He came to set us free. His power is at work transforming me to transform my struggle into sanctification and my trials into a testimony of His grace. And that's what He wants to do for you. We'll end with this, Romans 6.23. He says the wages of sin is death. Wages is something you earn, right? You can't do enough good works or give enough gifts to earn your way to heaven. The only thing you can earn because you're a sinner is death. And that means separation from God. So that's all we can do. But then he says, but the what? The free gift of God. There it is, folks. There it is. The greatest gift ever. Are you seeing it? The free gift of God. That's God's gift that God paid for. That God gives to you is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord because he's the one who came and paid for it. He's Savior. He's Emmanuel. And that's the gift that God has for us all. He paid for it. You can't pay him back either. It's not like you receive this gift and start making payments. That's not a gift. You receive this gift and you're so thankful for this gift that you just want to worship him and you want to serve him and love him. It overflows. That's how this gift works. Have you received the gift? He's already paid for it. Oh, no, no, I'm not worthy. Yeah, that's the point. You're not worthy, but it's already a done deal. He's already paid for it. Already got it available. The thing you have to do is receive it. How do you receive it? The Bible tells us there's one way to receive it. That's by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That faith means trusting him. You're willing to trust him. When you do that, it's that simple. If we were to put hot coals out here on the parking lot and tell people, if you could walk across those hot coals, you'd be promised to have eternal life, people would probably line up to do it. Well, it'd be worth it. But whenever we tell people, there's nothing you can do. Christ has already done it. All you have to do is trust him and receive it. Why is that too hard? It's because of that selfishness. We still want to be in control of it. See, that's where it comes down to. I've got to be willing to let go of myself. And surrender to him and trust him totally. That he is my life. He's not just something I add on. This gift becomes who I am. Instead of sinner being who I am. So receive the gift. Have you already received it? Then why aren't you enjoying it? Why would you set this gift aside? This is something you need to be experiencing and enjoying every day. That's what he intended for it. You don't receive it and put it in the back shelf. It's something you have every day. So let's enjoy this greatest gift ever because it meets me at my greatest need. Pray with me. Father, I just thank you again for this greatest gift ever. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, uh, as, we, as we think about going on and meeting with